This is the Fast Founder Series podcast, where you can get an exclusive glimpse on Africa's fastest growing startup companies. Follow the stories of some of the continent's leading entrepreneurs and founders, brought to you by the Fast Accelerator program from Flatmax in partnership with Microsoft. Today, we sat with the CEO and founder of Timba, a new, innovative, data-driven food supply chain platform. You may find Timba products and services on marketplace.flatmax.com. My name is Dominic Avisa. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Timba, and this why we run operations. Uh, so Timba has been running for from 2018, right? And um, of course, uh, we started off as a B2C. And uh, the problem we are solving was around uh, how do you access phone when you need it on demand, and especially for working mothers. And uh, that's almost like solving a problem for my wife, who's uh, working um, you know, from 8 to 5 p.m. And um, it was all about you place an order and we make delivery, either to your camp before you go home or to your home. And um, we ran that for around six months. But uh, we realized we had the challenges around, uh, you know, uh, the pricing, the quality. But also, at that point, the infrastructure, which is very key for any B2C uh, e-commerce uh, startup or business, right, was not ready. Uh, internet was uh, quite expensive, even though it's still uh, expensive. Um, smartphone penetration, again, uh, was very low, right? And uh, so we had to pivot. And uh, we pivoted to, to B2B. And uh, why we had to pivot one? Uh, that would allow us to access the, um, you know, uh, huge volumes of the, of the crops and by working with smaller farmers in a cooperative. At that time, we were able to fix a number of uh, challenges, one, the pricing, uh, the quality, and also consistency, right? Um, then, of course, down the line, we wanted to, uh, to innovate the products. We're going to do a number of uh, iterations to what we are today. Uh, I remember we started off with the reproduct or the recrops. Uh, today we are doing over 30 different crops, right? Um, and that is both the vegetable and the fruit and the dry cereals or legumes, right? And then also we also introduce other food uh, uh, categories. Uh, in terms of um, when you look at um, food supply chain in Kenya and uh, East Africa and across Africa, right? Um, it's really broken and quite very inefficient because you're looking at uh, 50% of food wastage. And uh, across Africa, this cost the market over $40 billion. And uh, you're looking at a 300 million, uh, you know, uh, metric tonnage of food. And uh, this is huge. So when you, if you're able to sell this food, you can actually, you know, uh, feed almost over half a billion people uh, globally, right? So it's a huge problem, but this again is a huge opportunity. And uh, growing up in the village, right, where I spend a lot of time with my parents, right? Um, we are doing uh, the normal farming. Uh, so we grow maize, beans, and uh, when it's red, we harvest, and uh, we try to sell. But what you find uh, typically is that um, within a week or so, if we are not lucky to be the first one to sell, right? Uh, the small brokers or the small buyers will run out of uh, either the cash or the capital, and they run out of the space, and you're stuck with your crops. And uh, if you don't find the market, you're looking at uh, almost a 50, 60 percent percentage of your grains in the next three months here. So it's a problem that I understand very well. Um, I understand organically because I grew up in that situation. And um, looking at Timber today, I'm sort of uh, solving my problem, you know, or the problem of my folks in the village right here. And uh, of course, as I said, um, 
our business usually you know there's a brick and mortar because for farmer is not about the tech it's about what value do offer to to the farmers uh the pricing uh payments uh because remember the cash flow is very tight for them so we pay them uh, the same day right and then again we have to think about uh, the farmers you know they need to be sure when the produce is ready what do they sell it so we offer them uh, that guarantee when the produce is ready as long as it meets our quality standard we're gonna buy and uh, we are very transparent the pricing uh is uh is that we are very open when you talk to farmers they actually are partners and uh, we are very open with them in terms of uh, what are the present dynamics here okay all right so we're in the heart of nairobi at the moment yeah. uh you guys are operating in an urban space yeah uh, maybe we can go through some of the activities that you do here you know go down yeah um so there's the farmers and there's the market mm. uh what are the main activities that happen here yeah so as i mentioned earlier right so uh you know this whole thing starts uh, six months you know earlier and uh, that's why you meet the farmers you talks about uh, uh the crops you need you talk about the variety because those farmers need to buy the right seeds right uh which is already uh need to be certified uh, so that you're guaranteeing the quality and also the productivity and then you talk about the pricing and you talked about uh, the volume the quality and the, at what point so the year you need to get the crop now once the product is ready of course we work with them uh with the agronomist uh, just to make sure we offer some technical support to the to the farmers where they have challenges right and uh, when the product is ready um farmers will do aggregation so we have a lean farmer who take care around uh, who take care of uh, uh, the harvesting the aggregation uh, then we're able to connect them with our then party logistics partners who go pick the crops and then they move that to Nairobi so once this gets here yeah, we do um a number of uh, things once we do second level quality control we get to look at uh, is it the right quality we need uh and then at this point we do uh, sorting the grading for the customer need a different uh, grading of the or the or the same crop and then we move to the storage and uh, then um there's um you know we also need to do ripening uh, other product just to make sure we extend the shelf life by using a, a storage and uh, then we do the dispatch uh, in terms of uh, the dispatch so our customer through our e-commerce platform uh, who place an order before and then we deliver the next year within 24 hours so which means um, with the data we have which we've been able to collect the last uh, three or four years right we understand our demand and supply and uh, remember these are perishable right so you need to get um, uh, that much very well so that you don't oversupply uh, that could be very risky to the business or you don't run out of stock which means then again they're going to disappoint your customers there so basically we do quality control we do dispatch and then so again um, uh, all our team basically will sit here so that will be uh, the technology team uh, the sourcing team the warehouse team and the sales team here yeah. and this will be running from um, actually just before covid uh, from march 2020 yeah okay yeah. all right so moving from the farmer and coming to the warehouse and then going to the customer mm -hmm. uh, like you mentioned you have an e-commerce platform yeah um, and recently we moved to Azure. Mm -hmm. So one of the big steps that we are making and along the way we also want to do AI. Mm -hmm. um, this came in from the accelerator program. So maybe we can talk about uh, the general feeling or yeah. how the journey has been migrating from the previous system to Azure. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, good. And uh, of course there have been uh, lots of learning and uh, of course the exposure and just my team being able to see this is a huge opportunity are you able to leverage on uh, all these uh, great products coming from Microsoft uh, through the program? Uh, of course, one that we're looking at is how to take advantage of things like the AI. Because we believe uh, to under the food insecurity in Kenya, we have to think about how do you digitize 
all the operation from the farm uh, to the point you get the food actually on your table. And uh, that starts with small things like how do farmers know uh, it's not going to rain tomorrow? Or do they know when is the right time to plant? And when do they know there's an issue with the crops and they need uh, immediate attention? So that could be either pests, that could be either disease, right? So you have to think about uh, imagery, which is able to get um, you know this data, uh, which is a big data, and then uh, basically simply with that data uh, in a form that our farmers can actually understand what actually they need to take. Almost like being able to break that information to their local language. So that they're able to understand fine, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, person do I need to buy uh, to mitigate this risk. The other one is uh, machine learning. So you have to think about uh, you have all this data and uh, to understand across the year what are different patterns of the weather, the productivity, and be able to understand your supply chain um, in the next quarter, in the next six months. Where am I getting uh, maize? Where am I getting beans? Where am I getting uh, bananas? And uh, you have to think about um, uh, our source being across East Africa market. Because when you look at uh, Tanzania, right, um, I look at Tanzania as a, you know, with basket for Africa, right? So strategically, we're already moving there. We're already activating a number of uh, farm groups. But then again, we need to get this data to a point where if I'm a sourcing lead, right, I should be able to get to the platform and it tells me the next six months, I need to get my sourcing here. Or these are risks in this region, why? Because there are no rains. Or farmers are not able to afford uh, uh, a fertilizer. So this is a big data, but then I got you break it down to a small packet that actually farmers can understand and make decisions. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's a big step. And yeah. speaking of uh, agribusiness, because agribusiness mm -hmm. is a very big uh, industry mm -hmm. at the moment, which uh, what are some of the big challenges that you face and um, what are some of the solutions you have in mind that can help resolve this, some of these challenges? Yeah. So some of the challenges is basically the infrastructure. So even today, I can tell you um, uh, access internet is very expensive in Kenya. And uh, of course, across other markets. So I think it was strange when you travel to your village and uh, you are focused on what they do, they ask you to, you know, to connect to your hotspot. So that is no one can afford it. And uh, we, these are things we can take for granted. Also think about, uh, uh, you know, the cost of calling is still very high. And uh, these are some of, uh, you know, uh, bottom up blockers that, uh, you know, basically, um, you know, challenge the, the innovation. So also the other infrastructure challenge is basically electricity. When you go to the villages, you know, farmers can, uh, those who can afford smartphones, but you find they don't have reliable electricity. And uh, because then again, uh, if you're able to collect this data in real time, it allows farmers to make decisions faster. But if you don't have a smartphone or they don't have the right infrastructure, then that means uh, fine. Uh, even though you have solutions, they can't take advantage of the solutions there. So infrastructure, that is huge. The other one, basically the weather data. Again, farmers to understand, uh, as I mentioned earlier, when do I need to, you know, dry my onions? Why do I need to harvest tomatoes? And uh, in this particular area, when it rains, maybe the run is not uh, passable. How do I get that information from a Google map, right? Uh, so it's all about how you consolidate all this data, but then break it down into a manner that is understandable to the farmers. But then again, through, um, you know, uh, a digital device. Uh, the other the opportunity I see, uh, they're quite huge. I think it's about uh, collaboration and the partnership, like uh, what we're doing with the uh, Framax and uh, and uh, and, uh, and the Microsoft, because I believe we have some of these uh, the best technology that have been tried out there uh, in a different or uh, developed market. But then again, how do you localize the solution so that they make sense, uh, you know, in Africa the, uh, uh, context? But also again, as we move to different market as we launch, right? You have to think about. Uh, Africa, we're looking at 42 countries market, and they are very different. 
So there are those uh, local nuances you need to think about, right? Kabiata the currency. So when you think of Asia, it's one huge, almost one billion global market, one currency. But Africa, we have to think about a 42 currency, right? So we are building a model for a product that we plan to replicate across African market. But then again, you have to think about, um, uh, you know, how do you overcome some of these challenges? I think Kabiata the way the partnerships, and I'm looking at uh, some of uh, the startups that are already in the uh, in the program. How do you leverage on some of the digitization solution they are building? Yeah. Okay. So Taimba, basically mm. based on some of the activities you are doing, is mm. uh, a small to medium enterprise. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the current space in Kenya, of SMEs in general, mm. um, that are trying to fill the gap yeah. in agribusiness, yeah. and what are some mm. of the um, advices you give them? Mm. No. I mean, uh, Kenya is awesome, and I mean, Nairobi is just uh, really good. I hear people saying Silicon Valley and all that. Nairobi gives you that energy. Um, but also, it's really hard to do business here in Kenya. I tell you, people in, can crack it in Kenya and Lagos. I think you have a model you can replicate, you know. Because uh, when you look at uh, the challenge you have to go through in Nairobi, and uh, some of them are policy, just the framework from a central government or the local government, right? Simple things like. Um, if I to distribute a fund across the Nairobi and uh, the neighboring counties, I need to get all those multiple distribution licenses. And there's a call, there's a logistical nightmare, right? And also the other where you find um, there are all these new, either the tax, uh, you know, policies that are coming up and, and um, you have to overcome all that. But you know, of course, as a founder, you need that uh, resilience to go, you know, to overcome that. And um, I believe, what we're building in Kenya, I mean, it's a very strong ecosystem uh, that allows uh, different, uh, you know, uh, you know, players in the industry to learn from each other, to collaborate. But also, I think the cause is also coming of age. Um, but of course, I know there's a huge challenge around the funding for the indigenous uh, entrepreneurs. So I think we can sort out that because I want to believe they are very, very good ideas. They are very good uh, solutions. Uh, they are very good innovations uh, in Kenya, but there's no funding. And uh, one of the challenges I keep saying, you know, is to look at, uh, you know, uh, the local folks who are high net worth uh, individuals. Uh, instead of just investing, uh, you know, the real estate and uh, the government boards, uh, how do you educate them to understand there's also an opportunity uh, in a startup, right? Uh, it's a bigger risk, but also a very huge return. And I believe if we can support uh, the startup ecosystem, I think this is we can have the real impact in the economy. Because when you look at uh, currently today, we have blown over 20 people, you know, uh, young people who are not having jobs before. Uh, when you go to the farm levels again, uh, every time we have as we're looking at uh, for that particular day, creating uh, over 30 employment, right? And um, these are startups, so you can imagine we're able to grow this business to a large scale. How many jobs can you create? The other industry will not give you that uh, impact when it's come to either the employment and also having a business model which is sustainable uh, across the year. Okay, um, so Taimba is, like you said, an SME. What are some of your, uh, who are some of your main customers yeah. uh, that you supply to um, the different products? Yeah, uh, good question. So when you look at uh, Kenya today, 95% of the food we eat go through um, the traditional, uh, quite informal supply chain. So you have to think about uh, the open market, uh, the biggest one in Europe, in the middle of the CBD. And uh, uh, all the big players, the moment you run out of potatoes, what's your backup is there, right? Uh, then um, how the food gets to you, we have uh, informal traders, locally we call them amabogas. They have to wake up at the that in the morning, go to the market, source for the groceries, and they come back and sell to you. So this is a model which has been working and it plays a very critical role 
right? Uh, but then again, you, when you look at it, it's quite inefficient. As I mentioned earlier, the wastage is huge. But also think of a mother who has to spend three hours, four hours every morning to shop for grocery. You spend over spending time with the kids, prepare them to go to school. And that's when our table basically um, uh, comes in, right? So, I mean, the informal trader makes 90% of our customers currently today. Uh, then um, the other 10%, it's a mix of uh, the minimarts, uh, the eateries, restaurants, uh, the schools, the hospitals, right? Yeah, and uh, our model is all about uh, how do you ensure, you know, we deliver affordable quality phone to either the informal traders also, these are, you know, the modern accounts there. Okay. Uh, and some of the farmers, mm -hmm. especially the young farmers, yeah. how do they reach out to Taimba to mm -hmm. sell their products or yeah. just learn in general how to go about Because you guys are collecting a lot yeah. of data mm -hmm. in the market. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have AI. Mm -hmm. So how do you reach out to them? Yeah, good question. So, I mean, some very interesting uh, statistics. When you look at uh, the farmers today we have in Kenya, the average age is 65. And uh, these are folks, you know, who picked a uh, family product from their great, great, you know, grandparents and all that. So it's not easy to, to basically, um, you know, uh, teach this farmer the new methods of farming. Uh, how do you access the, uh, you know, data from a uh, smart device and all that, right? So that tells you, um, because we can't expand the land we have today. So you have to think about how do you ensure the productivity with the current, the current we have. Uh, you double that, right? So that becomes a big challenge. 65 or something year old, you know, farmer uh, is not easy. But also we've seen, uh, you know, young farmers who are really coming up. And uh, remember the biggest uh, blocker today is actually the brokers, right? And uh, these young people, they don't want to go through that as of having to go to Marigulu for brokers and what have you. If you're able to give them a platform where they know they can uh, basically, you know, uh, create their account and say, hey, Taiba, uh, this is what I'm doing. I'm in this uh, region. Uh, can you come down and check out my product, right? And uh, you created that uh, digital, you know, interaction platform. Then that means you get a new farmer who basically uh, you're able to either educate about the modern means of, uh, of the production. You can talk about mechanization. You can talk about, uh, you know, uh, the lean models of farming. You also talk about their productivity. And um, so these are guys actually you can uh, basically support either the other partners, this could be either the financial institutions, because they already understand, uh, you know, the modern needs of the customer, the consumers, and uh, you can grow them, yeah? So I think it's a big opportunity. Uh, you put the element of uh, digitization there, you talk about how do you fund, because then again, they don't have a capital, they don't have title deals to go borrow. Then again, how do you create, a, you know, a new product that's able to support them and basically live their dreams? Yeah. yeah, some of the challenges that farmers face mm. uh, is access to markets, which you guys are um, sort of resolving yeah. uh, in a way. Mm. Um, for people who want to do, or people who are working with perishables, mm. um, are you able to source from them for an expended, uh, extended period of time? Mm -hmm. uh, and if so, um, what's the assurance for such kind of farmers? Yeah, uh, so when you look at uh, the farmers who have been working with, right, yeah. before they've been a challenge due to COVID, mm -hmm. where you find um, uh, a huge chunk of uh, cooperative close down or easy to operate. Um, our retention is actually over 80%. So that means uh, we have a model, we have a product that uh, really meets farmers' needs, right? And when I talk about retention, that means these are farmers we are sourcing, uh, like for bananas, our farmers we source from them almost uh, every month, right? Because we have a calendar which they understand uh, across the months. 
when are we coming to serve from their village? But also they can call and say, hey, Timber, my product, my crop is actually ready. Um, the other crops as potatoes, right? We're able to change your farm groups across the year, uh, which is since we coming down to um, uh, to source and, uh, and, uh, and Warabi. So what we've seen, um, if you're able to create a model where farmers have that confidence, they can actually plant, you can buy, they're transparent. And uh, then again, you also have to think about what are the other needs of these farmers. So they could be either the micro insurance, they could be either, um, you know, a small loans uh, to improve their productivity. Then you're able to create that um, uh, stickiness uh, from the farmers there. So we keep uh, evolving the product. Because the farmers, um, we don't just look at them as the farmers, we, they're actually our partners. And uh, the question is, uh, apart from uh, of taking uh, through our uh, other service providers, what are the other products or service can you offer to these farmers there? And uh, we're looking at uh, introducing these other products to farmers uh, so that we're able to ensure, you know, we ring fence the farmer that you've been working with. Okay. All right. Uh, so these are very interesting use cases. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Dominic, for sharing up. Uh, in terms mm. of partnerships, yeah, mm. and government and mm. uh, private sector, mm -hmm. um, what do you think is the gap between all these different partners? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the government, private sector, mm. public sector, what, what's the gap in between? Uh, yeah. So I think we can learn a lot from. Uh, other ecosystem, the likes of Silicon Valley, you know, uh, India and Warabi, the Bagalow, right? Because when you look at uh, in Kenya in particular, uh, we don't have, a, you know, um, laws or policy framework that actually can spur uh, innovation, the startups and all that. And you have to think about uh, if I'm running business today and need to pay tax, right? Why can't I get that uh, as a credit? And, uh, you know, as long as I'm, I blow this number of employees, because already I'm creating an employment, right? And um, I think we have to think about uh, how do you ensure an environment where you can take a risk, but also as a business, how do you, how do you de-risk these businesses? Just in terms of what are those products or incentives you give to either investors or innovators, I think that's number one. And also you have to think about uh, the ease of doing business. You know, as um, you know, we keep talking about the, the, you know, the devolution like in Kenya, that comes with another huge cost and to, you know, any business in Kenya. I think how do we have governments engage with the, you know, uh, the private sector, but also go extra mile and they talk to, to startups. Because private sector is huge. You have a mature businesses, you have a startups and all that. And all these have got a totally different needs. Or they have a different way to interact with the government and give feedback. And also to feel their input is actually taken into consideration when you're coming up with some of these bills. Because you can have a lots of bills that are really stifling uh, growth and innovation. Uh, that's number one. Uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, uh, private sector, so let me talk about uh, uh, the financial, you know, uh, sector, right? So when you look at the farmers, uh, I think how they profile them, uh, these are very risky customers. Why? Because they don't have data to understand. There's a farmer who basically farms uh, one acre uh, of potatoes, and this farmer actually sells to Taimba, and actually she makes a decent uh, income. Uh, you know, the banks do not have that information. So when they look at this farmer, they say this guy is very risky, but if they're able to partner with the timber, because we have that data, we can open up our API. They're able to look at the same farm and say, this is actually a farmer we can, uh, you know, give uh, loans at a affordable rate, because already they'll be working with us. So I think it's to look at uh, on the, the FinTech space, right? And one of the we're looking at a building, it's uh, this solution that allow farmers, you know, um, you know, to borrow from uh, equity, from uh, KCB, but not having to go through some of these, uh, you know, 
very you know traditional bureaucratic kind of approval process right you like recommending the farmer to uh, on behalf of the banks and also when you look at our customers again uh these are when you look at their default is very very low as compared to consumers right so then again for bank you look at these consumers or these customers or the borrowers are very risky but for us these are reliable customers when you look at being able to grow we you know without these customers to not be able to achieve the milestones so when you look at the data we have um these are customers we deliver in the morning and in the afternoon they pay so i think for the bagger you build a product in a partnership with a startup like timber uh, a product that organically right respond to the needs of the informal trader so i think there's a huge opportunity for banks to open up their space can be either the api the tech or their conversation uh, with the startups and they see how we can do co-creation because i think that's how we can have a uh, use uh, this um, scalable solution again that's i can move quicker all right um so based on your experience yeah. so far mm. how close is kenya to uh obtaining food security oh we are way far off man yeah because i mean think of situation where you have um mangoes right uh basically gone to west uh in eastern part of kenya and in northeastern which is less than a six hour drive people cannot afford food it's a ridiculous right so i mean when you just look at uh, there's a uh, demand and supply right and uh, you can't uh, sort out that i think there's a uh, i mean i think um there's uh, a lot that need to be done in agriculture and i can tell you why when you look at um, the different industries agriculture only gets less than three percent from uh, annual budget and agriculture contributes over that percent the gdp a blows over 75 percent of the people or the population but I mean, so these are the industries that have been uh, largely ignored. Uh, not uh, there's no innovation, and when you look at um, what needs to happen, the road network is not there. You go to some of the counties that actually basket food basket for Kenya, and when it's rural, you can't access those roads. You know, so there's a lot that needs to be done by the central government, just more from the framework policy, uh, right? But then also from the the local government, just to ensure. If at all the crop is ready as time, but we can go and collect whether it rains or that's a rain, right? So I think it's a huge challenge, and uh, that's we need collaboration from either the government, uh, private sector, uh, the NGOs, and then the startup, and it's everyone. But I think that should be that uh, deliberate effort to get all these uh, different players in one table. Okay. Yeah. So as you conclude, um, where do you see time by in five to ten years? Uh, good. I mean, um, I think when you look at uh, during COVID, it was uh, tough for most of businesses, but also we grew very well. Uh, we've been able to almost triple our revenue year on year. And also, I mean, when you look at our growth, these are between by a very lean team, right? And also with a very lean investor. So we're looking at, uh, of course, uh, fundraising that will allow us to grow business. So um, in the next route to four, we're looking at uh, having, uh, you know, expanded to other East African markets. So as I mentioned earlier, Tanzania, that's a very interesting market. You need to go there just due to reliability of the production. Uh, Uganda, again, are also exciting market. But remember today, you have a lot of food moving across all these green markets. And also, it's like a community has grown now. We have a Burundi. We're also looking at Ethiopia. I think we look at that as a one huge market for us. But then again, of course, there are different challenges. But we look at the huge opportunity if we're able to open in all these markets. Yeah. You may find Timba products and services on marketplace.flatmax.com. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts, as well as YouTube to view the full Fast Founder series episodes.